Hello, and welcome to the Open Systems Media webcast, Get Started with Industrial Ethernet. I'm your moderator, Brandon Lewis, here with today's speakers, Carlos Betancourt of Texas Instruments and Joachim Kerpat of Canvas. Before we begin, I'd like to more formally introduce our presenters, starting with Carlos Betancourt, who is a Satara, product, a Satara Processor Product Marketing Manager at TI, where his responsibilities include marketing, external communications, new product definition, and business development. Carlos joined TI in 1999 and has held various roles in application and systems engineering within TI's wireless, analog, and embedded processing business units. Betancourt received his master's and bachelor's of science degrees in electrical engineering from UT at El Paso. Our second presenter today is Joachim Kerpat, the head of project management at Canvas. Joachim has worked in industrial communications for more than 30 years and has a deep knowledge of related technologies and the worldwide industrial communications market as a whole. Before joining Canvas, Joachim led the industrial communications department and Comsoft GmbH for more than 25 years and developed and distributed several EtherCAT, Profinet IO, and Profibus master and slave products. Amongst other responsibilities at Canvas, Joachim handles Satara-based industrial protocol stacks, stack toolkits. In 1982, Joachim received a bachelor's degree in electrical engineering from the University of Applied Sciences in Furtwangen, Germany. Now let's address a couple of housekeeping items before we begin the event, which consists of roughly 50 minutes of interactive presentation, followed by 10 minutes of audience Q&A at the end of the hour. Directing your attention to the features of your audience viewing console, the Enlarge Slides button will maximize the presentation slides to fill your entire screen. The Download Slides button lets you download and print the slides if you prefer to follow along with a hard copy. The Forward to a Friend button lets you participate or lets you send an email that includes a registration link to this webcast so that your friends and colleagues can also attend. Perhaps most importantly, the Ask a Question text box allows you to participate in the event by simply typing questions into the box and hitting the Submit Question button below. You can submit questions at any time during the course of the presentation, and we encourage you to do so early and often while you're reviewing the material. We'll address as many of these as possible during the closing Q&A, and if you have a question about the ECAST operation itself, feel free to submit those, and one of our technicians will be happy to assist you. Final reminder before kicking off is that all Open Systems Media webcasts are copyrighted and may not be recorded without prior permission. So at this point, we can go ahead and get started. I'd like to hand it off to Carlos Betancourt of Texas Instruments. Carlos, take it away. Thank you, Brandon. Hey, everybody, this is Carlos. Um, I'm going to get started. I have a few slides, and then I'm going to pass it on to Joachim. <clears throat> this morning, we're starting um, a presentation. We're going to talk about industrial Ethernet, um, how it applies to industrial automation, the challenges, the technologies, and so on. And I'm also going to talk about a new Citara processor, the AM65X, which was launched uh, in fourth quarter of last year. Um, there are other Citara processor lines, but I want to base the discussion on the AM65X. Uh, okay, before we do that, let's talk about the different industrial generations that we've, uh, that we've had in the past. Uh, if you look at how things started, um, with the um, steam power that was a key technology back in the late uh, 1700s that boosted industrial automation greatly. And since then, we've had other generations. The next one was when we had mass production, the assembly line uh, in the early 1900s. Then the computer came along with automation around 1970. That was another boost. 
And the one that we are living today, what we call Industry 4.0, is basically because of the IoT, the Internet of Things. There's these things called cyber-physical systems, which are mechanisms or systems that have algorithms. They're controlled by computers. These computers are connected to each other, and they're connected to the Internet. So basically, everything is connected to each other. They're connected to the uh, Internet or to the cloud. You need more processing power. You have more smarts in the system. And that drives a set of challenges. Again, if you look at the Industry 4.0 technology um, and the challenges that it presents in, presents in this new environment, you know, you have a few things to have to worry about. Now you have distributed intelligence uh, in, in each of these components. They have the ability to make some, of, some decisions. Um, they need to be talking to each other. They have algorithms running in them. Uh, they need more processing power. Now you have connectivity to the internet. You could, you are potentially uh, susceptible to attacks. So you have to potentially worry about security. Real time and deterministic networking, which is really industrial in Ethernet, uh, what it's all about, has already existed in the past. I mean, um, everything has to be deterministic. But what we're seeing now is that one gigabit Ethernet is becoming more important. And there's also new technologies, uh, TSN, for example. So you have more bandwidth requirements and so on. Not only do you have to worry about these new technologies and having components that are complying with these new technologies in your setups, but you also have to be backwards compatible with the old systems. Um, so you, you, know, you have to take that into account into your system's design. Um, you may not be able to only support one protocol or have to live with one protocol. You may need to support several protocols in different settings or even in the same setting. Um, you know, that's something that's becoming a little bit more common, more of a challenge these days. And so you have to worry about multi-protocols. All of these are driven by standards and organizations with which drive your fundamental technologies. You've got to be able to process things, obviously. So you need processing power, sensors, control. And, and now all these key challenges in Industry 4.0 is bringing some other supporting technologies that you've got to worry about. Uh, we mentioned security, but there's also functional safety concerns, uh, the multi-protocols in the communications, protection and isolation. Uh, you have to have all these technologies. Uh, if you look at a typical uh, factory automation setting, you know, you have these kind of uh, cyber physical systems or components. And you have different things. You have a PLC, you have a CNC, and you notice that that one has a monitor for a human-machine interface. You may have machine vision, you have robotic arms, you have right in the middle an auto, a, a autonomous guided vehicle, you notice there's no person in there. So you start noticing that there's different levels of processing requirements that you may need uh, in sensing. They're all connected to each other. They all require more higher throughput. They are now connected to the cloud. So all these challenges are, you know, you have to keep in mind these, these uh, factor automation setting. 
And when we were designing the AN65X processor, we had all these key challenges and requirements for Industry 4.0 in mind uh, for coming up with this uh, new processor. Okay. So if you look at it, um, you know, you can get all the details about the processor, how to get started, uh, data sheet, uh, technical documents, white papers, software, EVM, everything. Just go to that link, uh, ti.com slash am65x, uh, and you can get uh, all the details. But here's, here's a uh, high-level abstracted block diagram of the processor family. And so we talked about industrial networking, advanced industrial networking for supporting multiple protocols, including TSN. So we have an industrial networking engine. Uh, you'll see it on the data sheet as a PRU ICSS, but it's basically, it's a long acronym, but it's basically an industrial networking engine. It can support up to six gigabit industrial uh, ethernets. Uh, it is programmable. So you can load it with one protocol, and if you decide you need to support another one, you can reload the firmware for another protocol. So, you know, typically you would need an ASIC for supporting a protocol. In this case, you don't. You need a processor. This processor can do it by programming the PRU ICSS, and now it's supporting TSN. Um, it is. It is all about industrial Ethernet which fits into industrial applications. So we worry about reliability. Uh, we have ECC, error correcting uh, codes in all the internal memories, one megabyte of L2, two megabytes of L3, and all the subsystem memories have ECC. We are able to support 100 power on hours, 100,000 power on hours at 105C junction temperature. And then we also added security enablers for security, for helping customers enable security in their systems. Typical ones are secure boot and cryptography, but there are others. Those are just examples. There's this MCU island that is one of the key features for functional safety, again, to enable customers to, to do functional safety in their systems. Uh, and it's also a scalable family. If you look at the uh, scalable computing options, right now it's showing a quad-core Cortex-A53. There's also a dual-core variant. And there is an optional 3D, uh, 3D graphics uh, GPU that uh, you, know, you can get or not, depending on the different uh, settings. For example, uh, we saw that the CNC had a monitor and probably an HMI, and if it needed some graphical interface, then it would make sense to have that one. Otherwise, other components uh, didn't have this such interface, so you could stick to uh, just a Cortex-A53, and you can have a quad-core or dual-core. Uh, the software, a processor SDK, uh, spans across all these product variants, so it's scalable across all of these. And like I mentioned before, this is the latest uh, and greatest AM65X Citara processor that we just released. It's the first processor that supports gigabit uh, industrial Ethernet and TSN. Uh, and, but there are other in our product line, uh, such as the AM57, the AM4, the AM3. The processor SDK 
is also scalable to support those processors. So if you're coming from one of those processors and want to upgrade to the EM65, it's going to be pretty seamless to you from the point of view that the tools and the software is going to look the same. Okay, so having introduced the AM65, the Citara processor, the technologies on Industry 4.0, and the challenges, uh, I'm going to now pass it on to Joachim uh, from Kumbus and to talk about their technologies, their offering, and, and what they can support. Okay. <coughs> yes, hello. I will show you today you know, how you can implement uh, different industrial protocols uh, on a single chip on a Citara family. So when we look at the uh, current situation on the uh, on the communication market, it's a really fragmented market. So we have uh, different industrial Ethernet uh, protocols that all uh, play an important role in the market. They are supported by uh, different players, that means by different companies, and also by the, the typical uh, field bus uh, organizations, trade organizations. So if you face as a device manufacturer to integrate all these uh, protocols uh, in your device, no? that means uh, a lot of uh, hardware development, so you need a lot of uh, engineering resources because you uh, have to use for every different protocol a different controller. No? And this also means you have an expensive know-how transfer. No? And uh, today in the market, there are only some small companies in the worldwide market that offer a single solution for all protocols. These are very uh, specific controllers you know, that are able to do uh, to perform uh, all the protocols, but you don't have the security of uh, long-term availability and uh, continuous support. So uh, <clears throat> I want to give a typical, typical example. So we, on this slide, uh, we see the, the three global players in uh, real-time Ethernet uh, automation networks. So we have EtherCAT. This is uh, based on an IP uh, by Beckhoff. No? So that you have to develop an Ethernet communication port. A typical, typical, typical controller for that is the ET1100. No? inclusive uh, the protocol stack from Backhoff, you know, and you have to maintain all this inventory uh, for all the card products you have. You know. The next one is uh, Profinet. This was uh, created by Siemens. This is today uh, uh, part of the Profibus trade organization in Germany. You know. For that, you also have to develop an own uh, communication board uh, for instance, with an Ertec chip uh, from Siemens or with a Tiger chip from Phoenix Contact. You know. And of course, you have to maintain also the typical inventory for Profinet products. <coughs> the next one is uh, Ethernet IP. This is based on uh, IP from the Rockwell company. And uh, Ethernet IP is a typical, typical automation protocol based on uh, standard TCP IP. You know. But also for that, you have to maintain uh, <coughs> the inventory, and <laughs> you need a special software and a special hardware for for uh, an IP device. Uh, 
So, uh, of course, you can have the idea uh, to uh, develop uh, these inverse protocols, protocols all by your own, but if you do that from the scratch, this is really an extreme cost and time-consuming process. The first point is you have uh, only uh, the typical standards by the IEEE IEC available, and these standards do not offer any practical implementation guidelines. No. Then uh, a typical uh, Ethernet-based real-time protocol always requires uh, chip design as well as embedded software development. No. So you really need uh, a larger development group who have this knowledge to do that. No. Uh, Due to the typical lower quantities, uh, this is only possible on uh, expensive FPGAs. The next point is, uh, if you have uh, integrated and implemented all these protocols, you have to certify it, mainly at uh, accredited test centers uh, of the field bus organizations. Then you have uh, to secure network interoperability, what is also a big task. And you have uh, to provide a continuous long-term effort, which can only be done by a separate development team. This is uh, our experience. And here comes Kunbas in. So Kunbas, as a TI ecosystem partner, has many, many years of experience of developing industrial protocol stacks. And we will offer here for Citara solution that will remove this this, all these difficulties, this headache, you know, and will get you much more faster to the uh, market. So, <coughs> how does that work? Now, here you see again uh, the free global rates, Ethernet, Profinet, and Ethernet IP. Now, for these protocols, Kunbus will offer a so-called uh, device development toolkit for uh, Citara-based hardware components. You know? And the really big advantage is that this all runs on a single board for all protocols. You know? That means you also have to maintain only one inventory, you know? and you have to develop only one type of hardware, you know? a typical Citara hardware that can run all these protocols you see here on the free protocols, but also uh, other protocols like Circus, CCLink, or PowerLink is possible. So how does it work? So the, uh, the Kundas uh, development, protocol development toolkits have a free block uh, abstractions. So we ship uh, a typically portable protocol stack library. No? Then we have a BSP for uh, an, any embedded operating system. No? And the uh, third abstraction is the Citara device itself. So like Carlos already uh, told you, Citara is uh, based on ARM CPUs uh, in combination with uh, so-called peer-use ICSS, these are front-end processes now, that perform uh, the lower layers of uh, so typical Ethernet protocol. Now. On the top, we have uh, the user application. This is your application uh, where you can uh, integrate your own application. That means uh, 
maybe the functionality of your device, of your sensor, you know. And from this uh, user application, you have a dedicated API where you can uh, call the protocol stack and where could, could, you can use all these protocol stack functions. You know. So this is the user API. You know. Then we have uh, the protocol stack core. You know. And we have the interface uh, to the PRU. That means uh, this depends now how to, to interface the PRU. Uh, means now how to uh, get through the embedded operating system on the PRU hardware. You know. Therefore, we ship a BSP. You know. uh, currently, uh, we support uh, a Bearborn uh, system without any operating system. We support uh, uh, Linux RT as operating system and uh, TI Artos. You know. But it's absolutely no problem uh, to support uh, any other real-time operating systems like Swixbox, Emboss, and so on. No. So Kundas will offer for all major uh, industrial protocols uh, solutions. So we are a member of all these uh, uh, field bus radar organizations, what you see here. So we have Broadbus, Broadbinet. We have Ethercat, we have Circus, uh, Ethernet IP, no? CC Link, no? IOLink, Wireless. This is also uh, a big market, what is interesting for Citara. No? And all these others like Modbus, Modbus TCP is uh, a real standard in, in uh, automation and uh, can open. So uh, now we come back to the products. Now the, the protocols, uh, what we will uh, support uh, in the next time we have an EtherCAT slave stack. This will be available in April 2019. We have a Provinet IORT IRT device stack. This will be available in June. We have an Ethernet IP device stack. This will be available next March. And we have a Provinet DPTV1 slave stack what will be available in April 2019. No. Which uh, Citara platforms do we support? No. So we have uh, the AMIC 110, 120, we have the AM335 family, we have the AM437 family, AM57 family, and AM65 family. <coughs> you see, this is uh, the whole range of Citara CPUs on the market. Uh, we have another product. This is uh, the Kun 110, 110, 120. These are special chips uh, directly from Kunbus, which are 100% compatible to the AMIC 110, AMIC 120. And uh, here with the Kun 110, Kun 120, we are able to uh, supply not only software, but also, also a bundle of controller and uh, software stack. So what, are, what is the content of such a device development toolkit? What do you get when you order this product? No. So you get a protocol stack as a linkable object library. You get the PRU code uh, for the uh, related protocol, what you want to use. You get a detailed sample application project in CC++ inclusive source code. This as a TI code composer studio project for the relevant evaluation platform. No. 
you get a board support package, inclusive source code for Linux RT and TRRTRAS, especially uh, for Linux RT, this uh, board support package is pretty important. No? So this support package consists of a kernel board driver connecting uh, the ARM CPU and the Zitara to the PRU. No? This we ship uh, in, in source code, so this makes it uh, for you uh, pretty easy to adapt this BSP to your kernel version, your Linux distribution, what you use on your system. No? And of course, you get uh, detailed stack API documentation no? where every call, every uh, function is in detail explained how it works and how to use it. No? Uh, this uh, device development toolkits run on the typical uh, TI uh, evaluation platforms, also on Kunbus. Now, so for the Kun 110 controller, we will offer uh, an own Kunbus industrial protocol kit. No. Then for the AM355 family, there we use the industrial communication engine ICE. No. For AM37, AM57, and AM65, we offer uh, the toolkit for the industrial development kit. Now, what is uh, available directly at the eye? So uh, let, let me tell you something about the development toolkit features. No. So we have uh, this detailed sample code project uh, demonstrating the use of the Stack API. This will uh, accelerate extremely uh, your integration because you see in a simple way how to initialize the Stack, how to start the Stack, and how to use the Stack, for instance, for exchanging uh, cyclic, uh, fast cyclic data or uh, using the uh, acyclic mailbox interface to send commands to the stack or to receive indications from the stack. No. But it's pretty important we have a common stack API for all different industrial protocols. No. So that means you have only to develop it one time, this interface. No. And uh, this interface uh, consists uh, of a high-speed cyclic data interface to read and write cyclic process data, especially input and output data with a minimum delay. No. This is uh, a possible in a way so you can use it as a, in a synchronous mode. That means uh, the call uh, uh, returns when finished. Or you can synchronize it also in an asynchronous way by callback subroutines. No. That means the call returns immediately. No. And if the call finishes, uh, uh, the the program uh, start, starts in the in in, in the subroutine uh, for the synchronization. No. Then we have an acyclic event triggered mailbox interface. That means uh, you can issue commands to the stack and you can receive indications from the stack. We have an uh, explicit download function for the PRU code file. No. This is uh, important uh, for systems where you want to change the protocol. This is, uh, is uh, possible without any problems. No. And what we also offer uh, on the uh, evaluation hardware, uh, we will do a pre-certification so that you can be sure no, that uh, the protocol stack is 100% compliant to the standard. Okay, that was my part. Thank you very much. No.
All right. Well, thank you very much, uh, Joachim and Carlos, for some good insight there on uh, the uh, industrial on industrial Ethernet and some of the TSN elements of it as well, um, and also how you can get started with uh, TI-STAR processors. That brings us into the Q&A portion of the event. So for the audience, uh, please keep your questions coming in, and we'll get to as many of them as we have in the time we have, uh, as many of them as we can in the time we have remaining. Uh, we also have a couple of tech technical experts who may join us, um, so please uh, keep your questions coming in. Uh, let's start off here uh, going to Carlos. It's been a while since uh, we've heard from him, so we'll give you a break. Um, so can you explain a little bit, Carlos, the uh, MCU island in uh, the AM65X? Uh, yeah, sure. I showed that uh, in the blog diagram. Uh, the MCU island is uh, one of the key features for, for functional safety. Uh, mm -hmm. See, let me, let, me, let me pull that over here real quick uh, to show that slide. Uh, here we go. Okay. So if you see the main processing is happening in the uh, Cortex-A53, that's the one that's going to be running your Linux operating system or your real-time operating system and your main, your main system. Um, the PRU ICSS is running some firmware for doing the industrial networking. The MCU island is running also some RTOS, and what it's doing is monitoring the system. And so it's part of the functional safety. If one of the uh, cores crashes, for example, if the protocol stack crashes, um, the system will not crash. The MCU island is able to detect that and to restart the system. And for that reason, the MCU island um, it has isolated power supplies, isolated clocks, uh, and it's composed of a dual Cortex-R5 that can operate independently or it can operate in lockstep. So it's kind of part of the, again, filling in the challenges of needing to have some functional safety as well in Industry 4.0. Excellent stuff. Um, all right, let's uh, go back to Joachim now. Um, it, it, does Cumb, could Discumbus only support the uh, slave stacks for these protocols, or both, or both master and slave? No, no. Uh, we have uh, all uh, major master stacks on our roadmap. No, this will come uh, uh, beginning uh, mid of this year. No, and next year. So uh, at first we will. Uh, uh, ship uh, a Provenant Master uh, toolkit. Uh, always, uh, this master toolkit always require configuration tools. Uh, these configuration tools are within scope of delivery. You know? So uh, we will have Provenant Master, we will have uh, uh, then an EasyCAD Master, and we will have an Ethernet IP scanner. Very good. And um, so with the TSN-enabled uh, uh, elements of that, uh, Joachim, are, are those going to be implemented for e in each of those master and slave stacks, or is that a separate uh, product, or how are you going to handle the deployment of that? Yeah, this, this, this is a good question. So, so I think uh, we, have, we have here to differ because uh, the, the market, is, market uh, will here, uh, I think it will split. No. Mm -hmm. So... Uh, uh, what is uh, in the uh, field bus trade organization, what is uh, now uh, a big action is uh, to use uh, these uh, typical uh, protocols like Provenant and EtherCAD, uh, not uh, over the own MAC layer, but over TSN. Mm. And uh, 
for that, uh, Citara uh, 6.5 will be the perfect platform. So uh, what is the reason so for Profinet? So uh, when you look at the market, uh, uh, Profinet RT, this is the conformance class B, this is uh, the uh, cycle time, up, real-time cycle time up to one millisecond. So this is a really uh, a huge commercial success, uh, especially for Siemens in the worldwide market. No. Uh, the so-called IRT, isosynchronous flow time, this is uh, drive synchronization and uh, cycle times uh, down to 250 microseconds. This uh, had really not developed in the market, so there are not many masters in the market, not many PLCs supporting our Profinet IRT, no? and there are not uh, many drives in the market supporting all the Profinet IRT. So, uh, the way now uh, is uh, to switch uh, to TSN, what is uh, also offering uh, isosynchronous uh, real-time communication with jitters uh, less than one microsecond. Uh, and uh, and uh, so Profinet uh, will switch especially for drive synchronization also uh, to TSN. Uh, of course, uh, I, I believe both systems, so the standard Profinet and the Profinet over TSN will exist in parallel for a couple of years, and then uh, we will see what happens now. The other point is uh, uh, there is uh, another uh, technology developing in the market. This is OBCOA real-time based, mm -hmm. based on TSN. No. So that means here no uh, typical field bus protocol is used. No. That means uh, every device uh, will work with TSN and with an integrated OPC UA client, client the server, that's right. No. The master then will be the client and uh, then can uh, communicate with the uh, sub services, publish and subscribe services in real time uh, with the slaves. But uh, nobody knows today how this market will develop and how this will uh, spread into the uh, automation system. Very good. Yeah, um, given the fact that uh, the industrial marketplace tends to move a little bit more slowly, we still have uh, time to watch the market unfold. Um, with that being said, Carlos, uh, why why uh, did TI target uh, the AM65X processors uh, for, for these types of applications, and, and where do you see uh, those Atara products being positioned in the industrial IoT value chain, you know, more at a gateway level acting as a master or um, even down, you know, at slave devices? Okay, okay. Yeah, I, you know, I talked about how Industry 4.0 is kind of driving the different requirements and, and, and challenges for factory automation. And so we wanted to make sure that we designed the AM65X to comply with those requirements um, to be able to support today's uh, demand, but also to kind of uh, future-proof it because, like I said, in the future, Industry 4.0 is going to start getting more demanding. Uh, TSN is going to proliferate more. One gigabit Ethernet is going to proliferate more. So we wanted to make sure that we had the right solution um, for you know things like PLCs and not only that, not only not only factor automation I should mention, but a lot of these protocols are also um, taking place in the in the grid infrastructure. Mm -hmm. um, and so some of those end equipments are also you know requiring these sort of things. So we wanted to have a a processor that can meet those requirements. Very good. And uh, you see it more at the at the control level, the PLCs. Uh, that's the sweet spot. 
No, it actually spans, uh, you know, that's why we wanted to have a scalable solution because we see it happening in the controls and also in the slave. Um, you know, I think uh, Joachim elaborated on the slave. Uh, the masters, uh, you know, they don't need the PRU-ICSS sometimes, but, but no, to answer the question, they're basically at the gateway, at the masters, at the slave, uh, the end nodes, even motor control. So. Very good. Um, all right, reminder to the audience, keep your questions coming in. We'll get to as many of them as we can in the time we've got left. Uh, okay, back to you. Um, so is CUNBUS, uh, earlier uh, Carlos mentioned um, a little bit about functional safety. Is, is CUNBUS uh, planning to make use of functional safety features on uh, Satara for Profi, Profibus, uh, ProfiSafe protocols? Yes, we do. Yes, we do. So we have uh, this also on our roadmap uh, in the next couple of years. No? So Citara uh, 65X with the MCU is perfect for that. No? So with that, uh, you are able uh, to integrate uh, a typical uh, safety protocol like chip safety or proxy safe uh, uh, on one chip. And this is, for my opinion, uh, uh, a, a little revolution uh, for device manufacturer. Very good, and I'd imagine that uh, in a lot of these applications, that's going to become a requirement uh, more and more so. Would you agree? Absolutely. Excellent. Um, all right, uh, here's another one back to you, Carlos. Uh, um, so Avenue Alliance is doing a lot of uh, work around uh, TSN um, for multiple markets. Is TI part of uh, that organization, and, and are you getting your uh, TSN, air quotes, uh, products certified or moved through Avenue Alliance or yeah, yeah, absolutely. We are part of the Avenue Alliance. We're also pr uh, part of other organizations uh, like PI uh, and others. So every time we develop uh, a certain protocol, we need to make sure that it complies, that it's certified, and you know it just it has to work. So we do worry about that. We're we're members of these organizations, and you know Combus as well. They also reuse some of their software. They also put their own secret sauce. Um, but yeah, it all has to be certified. Very good. Um, here's another one for you, uh, Carlos. Uh, I've, I've previously used other uh, third parties uh, for various uh, protocols on Citara. Um, is Cunbus the only um, partner of your of Texas Instruments that's going to be uh, supporting uh, these types of protocols on uh, Citara platforms? Okay. Yeah, so, that's right. Uh, uh, oh, Oh, Joachim, uh, let me let me uh, comment on that one. So uh, TI, TI has uh, different third-party third party partners, um, and, um, you know, some of them offer certain solutions versus others. Uh, so so really, other, other third parties are also there. Uh, the reason we are partnering with Kumbos is because they have the ability to support different protocols as a, you know, single shop-stop solution. And and okay, but uh, there are others out there. TI partners with with other with other uh, companies as well. Very good. Okay. Um, all right. So let's see. Yo, Kim, uh, here's one for you. Um, so on the Canvas roadmap, um, is it just EtherCAT, Ethernet IP, ProfiNet, and ProfiBus for Satara, or are there other protocols that you see coming down the pipeline that you'll support um, on that platform, or uh, what do you support in general, I guess? Yeah, uh, of course, uh, there will be other protocols. No? For example, uh, it's Circus. No? 
ist das uh, uh, pretty good market. Uh, it's Sicilink for Asia. No. Uh, Pauling, I'm not sure if this uh, will not disappear. No. Uh, but must disappear in every case. No. And uh, there are some special things. So uh, we, we have meanwhile requests from uh, customers uh, requiring uh, MBB. This is a multivagal bus. Now, what is used in trains, is, uh, for example, or in uh, in buses. No. And uh, this is also a good market. And uh, I'm pretty confident. And uh, Citara uh, would be also for such devices a very good platform. Very good. Um, Carlos, here's a question for you. Um, Joachim touched on this a little bit earlier, but uh, A, where do you see um, a lot of these, a lot of this hardware being deployed first? I'd imagine it's going to be in a, ma a master um, at a you know, gateway or a control level um, first. And then what sort of uh, interfaces and I.O. do you have on Citara that's going to sort of help that transition into industrial Ethernet and then eventually TSN and so forth? Okay. Well, um, you know, the PRU ICSS is the key the key uh networking engine and IO um mm -hmm. that allows to do these industrial protocols. One of the leading um protocols that we're seeing is uh Profinet, but there's also uh Ethercat already talking about how to go into TSN. Um so we're seeing them in the PLC and in the um, in the remote IO. Very good. All right, uh, Joachim, um Let's see. Oh, and um, let's see. Uh, do you plan, uh, Joachim, to, to support any processors on TI's roadmap outside of of Citara uh, with any of these offerings? I don't know if either, either one of you guys can comment on that no. at this point. No, no, we uh was really uh, concentrating on Citara CPUs. No. <clears throat> and to, because, to elaborate, uh, go ahead, Joe, I can finish, I'm sorry. Because uh, this uh, Citara family is uh, a perfect platform for industrial communication, uh, and also there are some other points. It's uh, long-term availability. This is essential for in industrial applications. Excellent. Carlos, you want to... Uh, to add to that, yeah, so Combos has been supporting uh, Citara processors uh, for a while, starting with the AM335X. So, again, the point is that AM65 is the latest uh, that's able to support uh, multi-protocol, gigabit, DSN, and all that. But there are already existing proven solutions out there, AM335, AM437, AM57. These are all different, uh, you know, their own processor family based on Cortex-A8, based on Cortex-A9, based on Cortex-A15. They all have uh, the PRUI CSS, therefore you can, you know, support multi-protocols. The only difference between those and the AM65X is that the PRUI CSS has been improved to be able to support gigabit Ethernet. Okay. Carlos, do you see any uh, drive at this point? Uh, you know, it seems like in the Ethernet market, um, as soon as you get to one milestone, people are already looking ahead to you know, 10, 100. Uh, do you see any drive beyond 100 gig or, or 1 gig at this point? That, that seems like a lot for an industrial, uh, you know, an industrial environment, but with all of the different types of, um, you know, IoT slash AI, machine learning, uh, 
um, going on in, in those areas, there could be inevitably a need for more. Do you see any push for that yet beyond one gig? Uh, good question. You know, not really. I think uh, the the in, the industrial automation market stayed in 100 megabit for a long time, mm-hmm. and they're still slowly migrating to one gigabit. I think they're going to stay in one gigabit for a long, long time. I don't really see, uh, or at least we don't see a trend to go all the way to beyond that 10 gig or anything like that. We see that more on the... Uh, consumer space, you know, the gateways that we have at home and in other places. And uh, certainly, you know, this processor is not for that. This processor is for industrial Ethernet, which, uh, you know, is really bounded to one gigabit as we see it today with Industry Mm -hmm. 4.0. But it's also about reliability, you know, uh, determinism in real time. We want to make sure that the messages get to the to the end node on a given time, and uh, because otherwise your factory can can get all messed up. Um, yeah, and that and that brings up a good point because a lot of this conversation at this point is um, is about educating the market and and you know making everybody feel comfortable with with Ethernet. Um, so to the reliability and the safety critical real time nature um, of Ethernet as it is previously known at the consumer variants. Do you still see a lot of hesitation um, from clients that you go talk to, Carlos, and or Joachim, we'll start with you, Carlos, um, in, in getting industrial Ethernet into some of these control-type scenarios? Uh, no, I think, you know, industrial Ethernet is, is uh, either needed or not. <laughs> right. You know, and so when it, when it comes to factory automation, you have to have it. And uh, I think I mentioned other markets like in grid infrastructure where you also have to have it. Uh, so, you know, these markets that you you got to have and in other ones, uh, you know, it's very clear if you don't need it, you don't need it. It's 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 an overhead, uh, obviously. Uh you have to invest in it, you know, in terms of the protocol that you pick and you have to go certify it, you have to get special files for your ethernet, you have to kind of bring your people up to speed on that protocol. So, you know, it's it's either needed or not and if you need it, you got to have it and you got to invest in it. Very good. Um, Joachim, do you have any thoughts on that? How, how, what's your response been from, uh, yeah, from industry? Right. So, uh, um, I think uh, Carlos is, is completely right. So uh, this uh, industrial internet will be used in industry and maybe in uh, in uh, uh, parts uh, a little bit beside it. So, of course, uh, uh, I'm convinced. So in, in two or three years, if you uh, go to Radio Shack and you buy a switch, an Ethernet switch, you know, this can talk to you then, you know, because this will be integrated in all these uh, uh, switch chips. Uh, but I'm pretty sure this will not be used uh, in in, uh, in commercial environments like uh, where you don't need a, a real-time communication. No, so this will be limited to industry, I'm pretty sure. Very good. And, and another way of looking at oh, what, reminder to the audience, keep your questions coming, and we'll, we'll get to these as many of these as we can in the time we get left. Um, Another related question is, um, it seems like a lot of uh, these technologies sort of waterfall down, you know, from consumer um, and then more more applicably into building automation um, and then into more factory settings. And building automation is going through a wireless sort of revolution. I mean, they've been using wireless for years there, but even more so now with the advent of protocols like Bluetooth, Zigbee, Z-Wave, et cetera. Um, Do you see uh, factories uh, in Industry 4.0 in general? 
the broad sense. Um, following that same path, or is there just too much RF interference there uh, to, to, to head down the wireless path at any point? Carlos, let's start with you. Uh, from my perspective, uh, what we've seen is a lot of resistance for factory automation settings to go to wireless. Um, they prefer the wire. It's a lot more reliable. Um, so I think, you know, there's, there's already discussions and perhaps a slow convergence in the future to 5G, um, but we don't really see anything happening besides that. I, I and how about you, Yoko? Uh, yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's an interesting question. So I think there are some, uh, some uh, different uh, protocols in, in industrial automation. So we have, uh, of course, Ethernet, no? Uh, but we have also other protocols like uh, IO-Link, no? and uh, IO-Link is also uh, suitable for Citara processes. And there in IO-Link we have uh, uh, another network, this is IO-Link Wireless, no? and uh, Kunpus is also uh, engaging uh, with IO-Link Wireless, and uh, this is a wireless sensor, real-time wireless sensor communication, and here we see uh, a really growing market, no? there are now first products on the market. No? And uh, for especially for robotic arms, uh, where cabling is difficult, no, this is a perfect communication system. No. So uh, I think, uh, especially in in in, uh, in moving parts, in robotic arms, in in machine, this uh, wireless sensor communication, of course, in real time, no, that will come. No. Excellent. All right. Well, unfortunately, that brings us to the end of our time today. And for those of you who had questions we weren't able to get to, we'll make sure to have the appropriate representatives from either TI or Fenbus uh, follow. Um, I'd like to thank our speakers today, Carlos Betancourt of Texas Instruments and Joachim Kirpat of Kunbus, for some great insight there on industrial Ethernet in general, some of the TSN-related aspects in particular. And we at Open Systems Media, Texas Instruments, and Kunbus would also like to thank you, the audience, for attending today and contributing some of those great questions. This webcast will be posted online at the URL shown on your screen within 24 hours, and then audio-only podcasts will be made available there as well. You can do a web search with the keywords embedded space C-cast and find all of Open Systems Media's webcasts available for download there as MP3s. Thanks again for attending, and have a great day. <laughs>